This is Tennessee Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. Hello, I'm Congressman Tim Burchett, and welcome back to Tennessee Talks. I'm glad to be joined for this episode with a fellow colleague, but actually he's just a good friend. Um, uh, we came to the house together, I believe, at the same time yep. as my buddy Congressman. Sorry to do this. My phone stopped recording. Oh, oh, man. man, he was, this was just perfection. He was rolling. Yeah, I was just, I was, I didn't even look, I skipped my notes and everything. And I'm, I'm fine on time. I'm no, whatever. Okay. We got yeah. boats. We're not, ain't no, ain't no thing. I just got to right. catch a flight at three, I hope. But we'll harass staff anyway. Yeah, we will. Go ahead. You ready? Yeah. Hello, I'm Congressman Tim Birch, and I want to welcome everybody to this episode of Tennessee Talks. I'm really proud to be joined by my good buddy, Chip Roy. He's from the uh, 21st Congressional District, and it's really an honor having you here, brother. Thank you. It's my honor. I'm supposed to offer brief thoughts on working with you, but um, <laughs> but I, I don't know if I could keep it brief. It's, it's uh, you know, I've, I've tried to, I watch you on the floor when you speak. And some people have just a whole written out thing and they just follow it word for word. And then, and I've watched you where um, I always say people are prepared. Uh, prayer is kind of like a prepared speech. Mm -hmm. it, may, it doesn't necessarily always speak from the heart. And I always watch you and you just get up there and rail. And I dig that. I think that is, that's a real talent. And I guess, you know, you're, you have a law degree and all that. But, um, but I think it goes to much deeper because it's... Um, you express the the views of your district, obviously, because they've they've sent you back like like mine did. Well, but, if I'd say one thing on that point, um, you know, when we, Congress started, I believe I'm correct. I need to research some more thoroughly. It was a rule of the House that you couldn't use prepared remarks because they wanted wow. to encourage debate and engagement. And I just I, I hope the body will move in that direction a little bit. But it's but mostly because it's it's real. Yeah, it, it is real. And in this this caged or, or yep. planned stuff, it's just garbage yep. and it's Amen. a waste of our time. Yep. And, it, and it drives me crazy because you argue these two thousand page bills and they hit hit the one or two points, but there's there's a myriad of others that are just hidden in there that nobody discusses. And I think that's by design. It keeps it infuriates people like me and you, but it keeps the people in power who are Well, in well power. you're you're too modest. You're one of the few members here that I think has a direct uh, <laughs> finger on the pulse of, of our of our constituents across the board, but particularly obviously those who sent us here and and know how to speak for them and, and uh and your your constituents are lucky to have you here. Well thank you, brother. I appreciate you saying that. But you know a lot of East Tennesseans are Really, just ticked off about what's going on our southern border, and I and I hear you speak on it because you're you're a Texan, and um, and you speak that that language well. And I was wondering, member from the border state, if you could share some things for our folks in, in Tennessee and back home, just how it directly impacts you all and, and the people you represent. Yeah, no, I'm happy to, and and obviously, you know, what impacts Texas impacts Tennessee. We're kind of you know, connected at the hip historically, and I think also ideologically, um, a lot of similarities. And and what what we see in Texas is really just the front lines of what the entire country is seeing, right? And we're just taking it on the chin with open borders. But just to put it all in perspective, you know, I represent Central Texas, but the southwest flank gets about a hundred-ish miles from the border in Del Rio. That is obviously where the event occurred last fall, right? With the Haitians coming across or in the river. Now, mind you, we met with Secretary Mayorkas the other day, and I asked him the question, hey, have you apologized to those uh, you know, uh, Border Patrol agents that you accused of whipping human beings in the river? And he said, well, that's still under investigation. That's not my call. I mean, not your call. What investigation? You know, I have horses, and I, and I remember my wife, I, I, she called me right when that picture was. She said, honey, 
that, that guy's got the reins. And sure enough, they did a. They, there was a second picture. It, you it was could clear. see from the back. It was clear the guy was not whipping. And the he's guy. hiding behind bureaucratic processes. I'm like, those two human beings work for you. Yeah. Have their back, man. And and like and that's a metaphor for what's actually going on at the border, right? We've got right. the reality is these are human beings that are being used as political pawns by our democratic colleagues. That's the truth. Because you've got eight thousand people a day coming across the border. That's the truth right now. Eight thousand a day. If you look at March, we had two hundred and seventeen thousand apprehensions. Now that's not counting. So for Tennesseans, just understand that's not counting the gotaways. Right. Okay, that's just the people who come and are apprehended either because we, we find them or because they, frankly, most of them just turn themselves in. Right. Now, take a step back. What is actually the problem? We have a uh, provision in our law and our borders. It's illegal to come here, you know, across the border without, you know, papers and go, you know, come in with a visa right. and so forth. It's illegal. But <clears throat> what we have is asylum laws that give an exception, the ability to claim asylum, but you have to present credible fear. It wasn't meant to be the exception that swallows the border security rule. Now, do they actually tell them? I've heard that some folks even walk across with a piece of paper that says exactly what they're supposed to say, and then they... 100%, and that's coming from United Nations, that's coming from NGOs, and it's coming from the cartels. Right. And, and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand who don't see it, is the extent to which this is all organized, and the cartels <laughs> have operational control of our border. You cannot cross, for the most part, if you don't pay three to 5,000 bucks or a lot higher to cross the river. So let's think about it. You come here, you pay that money, you get to the river. Now, but I don't have $5,000. Well, what they'll tell you is just, just the other night I had somebody had a, I can show you a video where they were crossing and talked to him in Spanish. And they said, uh, yeah, we pay three to 5,000. I don't have it, but I'll be paying. I'll be on a monthly plan. They're going to be on a monthly plan. And then if you can't do that, then they're going to put you in a stash house and then they're going to put you into the labor trade. They're going to put you in the sex trafficking trade. But when, when we, we're dealing with the problem at the border, you've got a current administration that is allowing that asylum rule to govern who comes across, and then they do no enforcement. And the only enforcement that they've had in place for the 15, 16 months of the Biden administration is what we call Title 42, right. which is the provision in our health codes that allows uh, us to turn people away if they have a communicable disease or, or that they might have a communicable disease. So um, during, during COVID, we're basically not testing and we're letting them in and, and that's basically the bottom line. Well, and, and importantly, that provision empowers Border Patrol to be able to say, no, you can't come across, we're turning you away. Now, there's some exceptions and they've been allowing family members to come in more than frankly they probably should, but they've turned away most of the single adult males under Title 42. Let me put this in perspective. Last year, we had around, about 2 million apprehensions. 700,000 individuals were released into the United States. 700,000 released into the United States, allegedly to come back to a hearing, but that won't happen for the most part. The other 1.3 million, most were turned away under Title 42. Now in March, when I was talking about 217,000 apprehensions, about 110,000 of those were turned away under Title 42. So what happens on May 23rd when they turn away and, and they repeal Title 42? Well, those numbers swell. Border Flood. Patrol testified to us the other Flood day. Those numbers right be yep. ten to eighteen thousand. That's three hundred thousand a month, and we're not turning any away. You do the math. Yeah. It ain't good. Well, tell me, what do you think of this administration? I mean, they they've admitted that it's going to swell the roles. I mean, what is their ultimate goal in this? It almost just seems anarchy, mm -hmm. uh, socialism. You know, everybody calls you conspiracy theorists, but what else is there? I mean, they're wrecking our economy. They're wrecking our energy independence. Um, 
and and now of course immigration it's just uh, we can't we can't educate the folks we can't feed the folks uh, our, our jails are swelling you know we've had we've had numerous deaths because of this we've got human trafficking we've got the fentanyl issue i mean the amount of fentanyl that could fit you know on the on a, a match head could kill every member mm-hmm. of congress and yet there is no you can't even uh, get a bill heard on fentanyl right now because i think it admits their mistake and their and their error in all this what do you think is their end game so there are a number of different things that I think are driving our Democratic colleagues to not actually secure the border. Crass politics is part of it, right? They believe, and frankly, I think they miscalculate that everybody who has uh, who's brown is going to vote for them. I think they're making a mistake, and I can tell you in South Texas, that's flipping. Side uh, note, uh, yeah. Mayor of McAllen is now Republican. Uh, Zapata wow. County in, in South Texas along the Rio Grande voted for a Republican, Donald Trump, last year for the first time in 100 years. Yep. So I think they're taken for granted, uh, brown, quote-unquote, votes. I don't like those terminologies, but they use it. They use it. Um, But here's what I actually, I think it's worse than crass politics. It's actually worse, Tim. I actually think that it's that they don't believe in sovereignty. I think it's that they believe in a fluid sort of world order where people can come and go and whatever interest for them. And so when you and I, and, and I know you're a man of faith, and I know how much your family means to you, and, and, uh, you go to the border and you do as I've done and talk to these these people, human right. beings, little girl, seven year old little girl. I got a picture of her on my phone. I don't use it politically, but sure. she was this beautiful little girl, and she had a phone number on her arm, and she was by herself, and she'd come up from Honduras, and she was going to try to find her mama in I think Colombia or somewhere in South Carolina, and I talked to her in my broken Spanish. I talked to the other guys there, and I said, "Well, she by herself?" And this guy said, "Yeah, I ran across her in the middle of Mexico." And we've been, and he's like a probably 15 year old guy. It looked like he was trying to actually help her. But this is what's happening. These are human beings. I don't begrudge them wanting to come to America. No, I don't either. Neither do I. I But but, but we're allowing them to get endangered in this sort of false name of open borders and in the crass politics of our our Democratic colleagues. Seems like it is a a one world government type situation that they're moving towards. I, you know, I, I always sit there and I think, uh, when I when I talk to my colleagues, I think, well, what if I'm wrong? But I can't find any instance on this where I am wrong because it just it's just total lunacy. C- can I just say what I said about yeah. to your constituents and about you're such a humble guy and a pulse on the? I, that's the right question. I ask it all the time, right? I voted last week, and I don't know how you voted, so it doesn't. It's not a comparison. I voted last week on a tough vote, right, on the uh, sanctioning Russia with the trade vote because it had a human rights provision in there that was going to be real vague and allow our government empowered the executive to go after people for whatever reason. And so then all these people say, oh, you're pro-Putin, you're all that. So I take a step back, like, well, am I wrong, right? I mean, these votes matter, but then I've calculated everything and I reached a conclusion that I thought I was right. Of course, now we're fixing the bill a little bit, it's gonna be better this afternoon, and now we'll vote on it. That's how this yeah. place is supposed to work. But, it is supposed to work. But you yeah. asked the right question, and, and I don't think a lot of our colleagues do that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I wanna get back on the fentanyl issue. Yeah. That's a, I have a bill that's, you know, if you basically these mules that, no, not necessarily the mules, people that are trafficking it, it puts a life sentence on. I can't even get a, a blink out of our Democrat colleagues on that. And, um, you know, and it, it, they're intentionally trafficking fentanyl. We know how harmful, we know it comes from China, most of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see there's instances where it's they, come over the Canadian border, yeah. but the vast majority of it comes from China, goes around Central America, comes in through our southern border to Mexico, and yet we don't seem to want to lock it down or admit we've got a problem. I talked to a guy when I presented this bill, you know, you put the customary press release out and you, you try to get some internet buzz. 
And of course, uh, the major media is not going to cover it because they'd have to admit there's a failure at our southern border and just ignore it. But I talked to a fella in South Carolina because he asked me if I knew the congressman from there. And I said, yeah. And I said, he's a good man, you know. He said, well, um, and I said, well, call him and tell him to support the bill. And he did. But he told me his son had died from fentanyl. He yeah. said, but the, but the interesting thing was they found the capsule or the pill still in his mouth. And it was a um, it was a bootleg of a they were literally just pressing out pills, you yeah. know, Xanax. Uh, or, yeah, or I think it was Xanax. Yeah. It was Xanax because he had some mental issues and he couldn't get to the allegedly couldn't get to the pharmacy. You know, the father's stuff. You know, it was just yep. a horrible situation. But the pill was still in his mouth, mm. and it was that strong. And it's and you're hearing about that. I mean, they're lacing weed with it, marijuana, um, cocaine, um, all the every every drug out there is being laced with it. And, and a lot of these drug dealers, what they do is they put it out, and then they, they know it's going to kill somebody, and, it, and it's, it's like a, their calling card, or their, it's how they advertise it. Wow, this guy, he's got this, that's how really strong it is. So they get in, and then they, they know to cut it, but they know how strong it is, and it's a better value for them, I guess. And, um, and that's how ruthless these people are, but we cannot seem to get anything through dealing with this. And I know, you know, my libertarian sense is that, well, you open it up and just... Let it go, but it's 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 just it's past that with this fentanyl, and I don't and I don't understand why we don't get any any kind of uh, Democrat leadership will not allow anything about it through. Is it well, because they're going to have to admit the border the situation there? You think? I think that's a big part of it, and I think I mean to your point about the libertarian sensibility. I mean, look, I you know I've got some impulses that says, look, you know, Colorado wants to legalize weed. I mean, you know, fired up. I don't know why the feds need to go interfere with them. However. Right. The dominoes that fall from that in a world in which cartels right now are making literally hundreds of millions of dollars moving human beings for profit, moving now fentanyl, which what are you going to do? Legalize fentanyl? I mean, this stuff just like a sugar pack out of it would kill, you know, like you said, this, this whole floor. Yeah. But here's the thing with fentanyl. You said it, right? The one with the pill in there. We had a University of Texas football star, the other UT. Uh, you know, who uh, you might remember, uh, Sam Ellinger, who was our starting quarterback, his brother, Jake. Yeah. He died. Uh, last year, uh, we believe, from Xanax, laced with fentanyl. We had, I've had numerous stories. You saw this West Point story down in Florida, yeah. right? And then one guy's like trying to do CPR and then dies because he tried to do CPR. Then you've got, we had that same situation with an ER, or, or I'm sorry, EMT in um, Austin. Yep. And they get a call and somebody's there freaking out. By the time they got there, the second person was dead because they were trying CPR. Like, people don't understand what's actually happening and how dangerous this stuff is. And the DEA put out a warning, a nationwide alert yesterday, warning about mass deaths as a result of fentanyl for these very reasons. So, yes, we should do more on this. Uh, we should recognize. Remember that during, remember in the 80s, the cocaine? Remember when Len Bias died, the, Celtic, yeah. the, the rising star from University of Maryland? Yeah. The Celtics. Kid from my high school was his roommate. Okay. And so, you know, those guys, uh, you know, we were all freaking out over cocaine deaths. It was about 10,000 a year. Last year, 100,000 Americans died from uh, overdoses driven heavily by synthetics and by opioids and the fentanyl epidemic, cooked in labs or, or starting in China, coming up through our cartels and cooked in labs in Mexico uh, where they're making these Xanax knockoffs or Adderall and these things, and it's killing thousands of Americans. we got to do something about and, it. And they press them, and they look just like yep. the... the they look yeah. like the real deal. They look like the real deal. Well, I know on March 16th, change gears a little bit, you wrote a letter urging every member of the House, and you referred to um, um, Mayorkas, mm -hmm. I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, you 
you urged us to the Republican conference or the caucus, as I like to call it, conference right. yeah. is what they call it up here, but I support the impeachment of the mm -hmm. Department of Homeland Security. Of, of, um, and I've, of course, I publicly called on him to resign. Sure. But we've already talked a lot about his problems. But what do you, could you share some other examples of um, Secretary Mayorkas's, uh failings at his yeah. job? So some of our peers rightfully question and say, okay, well, is this a high crime and misdemeanor? And uh, I believe it is, because I think if you go back and study what a high crime and misdemeanor is, the breach of the public trust, failure to actually carry out your duty. In fact, maladministration was considered, but they went to the more known term of high crime and misdemeanor, which included maladministration. So what has he done here? He's failed to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. He doesn't enforce the Secure Fence Act. Uh, which is law to say build the wall. He's allowing pieces of the fence to rust in fields in Texas. He's paying contractors not to build it. He's not enforcing the laws uh, with ICE. We had 25,000 arrests by ICE internally in the United States last year. Do you know how many we had at the peak under Trump? I mean, 250,000. Like so where are all those criminals going, right? He's uh, allowing Border Patrol to get overwhelmed. He refuses to use Title 42. He is not even using migrant protection protocols, which is our return to Mexico policies, which is where he's under a federal court order. A judge in Texas said, hey, dude, you got to go follow the law on this. And he's like, oh, okay, well, they put out a memo saying we want to get rid of it, but I guess we got to pretend, and basically ignoring the laws. He's empowering cartels, allowing Americans to die. He's not being forthright with the American people. I don't even think it's a close call. And if you don't send a signal that our secretaries have to respond to Congress and say, you have a job to do? You literally are ignoring your duty under the Constitution to secure the border. It's like what I said about the um, the Haitian, uh, you know, the, yeah. the border patrol agents. When I asked him this this week, he's like, "Well, as I said, oh, they're, there's, they're doing a report on this, dude. They work for you. It's your job. This is on your watch. You're the Secretary of Homeland Security. Secure the daggum border." Seems to be the first and foremost that buzzer you heard. I think is our they're calling us to vote. So I want to ask you one last thing quickly. Um, we ask all our folks this um, that are coming on here. Um, do you have any questions of me? Well, um, my favorite things to talk to you about are uh, your family. <laughs> you are um, so proud of your dad and so proud of your family. Um, it's just one of my favorite things to talk about. And uh, I mean, I just you know wonder kind of, I want to say this carefully, but what would your daddy, as you call him, uh, think about what's happening now and what he fought for and what I he... He, he fought for this country. What would he yeah, be thinking? I think he'd be disgusted. I can remember, uh, um, I always think about this story. We were eating pizza in our living room. It was on election night, and the elections were not gonna not going our way. <laughs> and my daddy, and we say the blessing, you know, one of us does. It was just me and him. We'd work the polls all day. I can't remember if I was a state. I was in the state legislature at the time. I can't remember where I was, House mm -hmm. or Senate. But... Um, but I remember Daddy praying. It was a real simple prayer. And he said, Lord, please just don't let us lose our country. And I think about that every day. I lay awake at night. I think, you know, we are on the cusp of losing our country. You hear that, but it's, the reality is we are with, with inflation, with just this yep. cavalier attitude towards uh, issues that spending. normally, yeah, spending. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, this, the, our children are under attack. You know, the, the, the top um, female swimmer in the world to now is a man. I mean, you know, it's just not, it's just not rational and it's, and it's just flipped on its ear just so quick. And I would, you know, I would, uh, he'd shake his head in disgust right now and he'd, he'd do a lot of praying because, um, you know, he did, he, daddy fought in the second world war and he didn't have to go and mama flew an airplane and, you know, my wife's a patriot or 
my daughter's biological father, who's passed away, was a was a Navy man, and you know, it's just um, I, I, uh, uh, sometimes I feel overwhelmed actually of what what we're up against. I, I do too, and I appreciate what you just said. I just don't want to lose this country. I can tell you when I went, you know, I went through cancer, as you know, a decade yep. ago, and I thought I was done with public service. I'd served, I'd worked as a prosecutor, I'd worked in the United States Senate. And, um, but I, I recommitted after I, I had gone through that to keep fighting for this country. Cause I looked at my kids, my daughter was four months old. My son wasn't even two years old. And I just told my wife, I said, I'm on this planet to go fight, to try to save this country. And that's what it's for. I can't go watch. I was watching the sixth episode of band of brothers last night. Love that series. Yeah. My roommate, uh, I've got a roommate when I'm here in DC and we, we started watching it a couple days ago and you know, you just keep watching anyway. I watch that and I watch what they did and I think about what they did and the, and the real guys. I mean, these were yeah. real stories yeah. and, and your dad and you know, my granddad and, and those that did this, I'm not going to let them have our country. That's, that's why we're here. Yeah. They don't get to have it. They don't get we, it. Do. we do. And we're going to be prayerful revival works. Uh, you know, we know that the Lord is in charge and um, we're all here just kind of renting space. But uh, we're going to keep fighting for freedom, and I love doing it alongside you. Well, if you get the opportunity, watch the the one called Pacific. That's next. Well, that, there's that, that's my dad's outfit, and actually, um, a guy wrote a book called uh, "With the Old Breed" at uh, Peleliu and Okinawa, and that was written. Uh, the movie or the, the series follows it, and there's a guy named E.B. Sledge, mm -hmm. who's one of the key players in there, and he was a friend of my daddy's. I can remember him calling the house. He was a mortarman on Peleliu, and daddy was a um, a demolition engineer or combat engineer they called it and so they were both in the mess the worst part of it of, of Pelalu and Okinawa so if you get a chance watch that that's a plug for that if I, I will I don't agree with Steven Spielberg on anything but, but he did that one right but he did those two right yep. he sure did and I'd hug his neck if I saw him but anyway hey folks I'm Tim Burchett and I want to thank y'all for listening to another episode of Tennessee Talks this has been this has been one of my favorite ones so thank you Chip thank, thank you for you, being my friend yep. God thank bless you, you for too. serving God has blessed me thank y'all for watching Thanks for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Keep up with Congressman Burchett by following at Rep Tim Burchett on Twitter and Instagram and at Congressman Tim Burchett on Facebook and YouTube.